you're amazing. I love you. <laughs> Goddamn woman. I'm so glad you're in charge right now. I was like, I am so glad you're doing politics, girl. I, I saw you on MSNBC. I was like, hey. I <laughs> then they want to talk to me and i think it's so great because i talk like normal people right i'm like i don't know if i believe yeah. that like rah, rah. but most people that's how they think so they go like yeah that yeah. that and i think that's how you are i think you're like listen you know i had a completely different podcast planned for you totally different and then this happened i was like well let's do this one <laughs> we're just gonna roll with it we are just gonna roll with it because that's what we have to that's do every day do. in our lives anyway Hello, and welcome to the Politics Girl podcast. I'm your host, Lee McGowan. Let's get into it. Today's pod is a candid conversation with LaFonza Butler, the president of EMILY's List, the political action committee dedicated to helping elect pro-choice women to office. At 30 years old, LaFonza was elected president of the biggest union in California and the nation's largest home care workers union. She spent over a decade in the role and was a leading voice in the American labor movement, leading the campaign for California's $15 minimum wage, first in the nation, and equal pay for women in home care. LaFonza was a partner at SCRB Strategies, a political consulting firm where she was a strategist for candidates running up and down the ballot. Most recently, she served as senior advisor to Vice President Kamala Harris's presidential campaign. Tapped to run Emily's List in 2021, LaFonza was quoted saying, As someone who has spent her entire career empowering women, I am excited to continue that work as the leader of an organization that has changed the face of American politics at all levels. I'm having her on today for obvious reasons. The day we're taping is the day the court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade was handed down. After almost 50 years of precedent, the court has done what has never been done in American history and ruled to take rights away from American citizens. LaFonza is now in charge of running an organization dedicated to women's choice at the exact time this compromised ultra-right-wing Supreme Court is stripping it away. So how does one lead this kind of organization in this kind of environment? How do you inspire people to keep fighting when things seem so dire? I'm hoping LaFonza can give us some perspective in that department. So without further ado, please welcome my guest, leading voice in the labor movement, passionate advocate for women and justice, and the president of the largest resource for women in politics, LaFonza Butler. Welcome, LaFonza. Thank you so much for having me. Glad to be here. Well, I'm so glad you're here. I mean, I'm speaking to you on an incredibly tragic day, uh, the day that Roe v. Wade was overturned in America. And I don't think it's sadness that I feel. I think I feel rage. Um, I feel a deep sense of injustice. I feel horror at what this court and this Republican Party are looking to do to America. And I feel completely outraged at becoming a second-class citizen in this country that dares to call itself the land of the free. How are you feeling? You are feeling exactly what I'm feeling. You know, I, I also think about my own little girl uh, and uh, little girls in, in her class. Uh, she's seven years old. She just finished the first grade and I dropped her off for camp this morning. And I think about going back to pick her up, looking her in her eyes and asking her how her day was. And she will have no idea that the thing that is top of mind for me is that she is less free 12 hours later uh, than she was when she got on the bus to go to camp. And you know, for so many of us, that is what this moment really means. And that's what it really um, communicates, that women and little girls in this country are now second-class citizens, a permanent underclass. 
Uh, and the little boys in her class can do whatever, can have, have the freedom to make whatever decision with their body they want. And I think this is a decision that is as much a slap in the face to uh, the majority of women in this country, but it is also uh, speaks to the rights and freedoms of men. They should also be have a voice in, in their ability to be able to, to think uh, about how they want to plan their families and the, the futures that they want they, their children to have. And so it is indeed a sad day as we go backwards uh, in our democracy and our true representation of um, a democracy that works at the will of the people. We know that the majority of Americans support women having the ability to make this decision um, and, and with consultation of their, their families and their physician and their faith. And nobody wants Ted Cruz or anybody else in their doctor's, uh, in their doctor's visit. Uh, and, and they do not want is, that. It sad, <laughs> it's like it's a sad <laughs> day and it is a day for us to decide fundamentally that we're not going to take this sitting down, um, that we're going to do something with that rage. And uh, and that, that I hope is, is how we move through this day. Yeah. I think that's actually so important that what are we going to do with this rage? I mean, yeah. here we are, something that's been around my entire existence as settled law is now gone and science hasn't changed. Pregnancy hasn't changed. The burden on the potential mother hasn't changed. Women's rights theoretically are equal to men's rights. So what are we doing here? Right? The fact that this case even came up wasn't because the situation had changed is because the court itself had changed. Um, they yeah. weren't arguing a new case. They were looking to get a new result. And that's exactly what they did. So for the first time in our country's history, we have a ruling that is taking away rights from people. And this hasn't happened. This is not who we're supposed to be. Obviously, this idea of Roe being overturned is no longer theoretical, right? It's real and we have to deal with the fallout. 13 states already had trigger laws on the book to make abortions illegal. 13 more states are poised to do so. There are tons of red states who are talking about adding a criminal element to these laws. So doctors who perform abortions, women who have them, even people who advise or strangers who drive you to the abortion can be charged with a felony. And a felony that comes with jail time, fines, and in some case, the loss of your voting rights, right? So this is a travesty and a real punch in the face to anyone, not just women, like you said, men too, um, anyone who believes in bodily autonomy, to personal freedom, to privacy, and to human rights. So what do you think about where we stand? Yeah, you raise an interesting point about this notion of criminalization, uh, to criminalize physicians uh, who perform services, uh, the women who uh, need these services, for, for whatever the reason might be. And you, you think about what really is at stake when the felony uh, application is made. And, and you mentioned the right to vote in some states, you know, for someone who might be uh, seeking housing subsidies, uh, they are now no longer, they're disqualified uh, mm -hmm. from participating uh, in, in those kinds of, those kinds of public housing subsidies. And so the impact is uh, so much worse, uh, I think, than is, uh, than is just about being able and, and broader than, than just being able to access the healthcare uh, that any, that someone might need. Uh, it has the devastating, potential devastating impact on people's lives um, altogether, whether you're an Uber driver 
who is just driving someone to destination on the map. Yeah, just um, doing your job. You are uh, just doing your job. Just, just doing, doing your, job. your job. You now are you're subject to 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 felony, felonies uh, and criminal a criminal record. And you had no, I may have had no idea. And the question that comes up for me, honestly, is how do they intend to enforce this? Like, what really are the structures? Are we going to become a country that surveils, where neighbors now are charged with surveilling uh, neighbors and and reporting neighbors? Or are we going to become a, a, a society where physicians are going to question whether or not to perform necessary care in fear of losing their their medical license or their livelihood. What really are we doing uh, with this decision, and how does this come to pass? I think, I think there's so many unintended consequences that are going to be associated with this decision, and we've got to move from rage uh, and uh, and anger uh, to to really action uh, and protecting the not the care, um, but frankly restoring our freedom. Uh, this is, for me, a fundamental issue of freedom. There is so much at stake um, in this moment as this law is being passed and we head into November. Everything is is on the ballot. And for me, this is an opportunity for the majority of Americans who support women and families having this freedom uh, to stand up for it. Uh, and to me, that is you know, beyond any words on a page or the opinion of nine individuals, uh, the power and voice of the American people has to come through in this moment. Absolutely. We need to hold the line, right? We need to hold the line in the states. We need to protect as many people as possible at the state level. But we need to hold uh, off the Republican Party from taking power, either in the House um, and definitely in the Senate, because the Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell has already said if the Republicans get back in power, they will make abortion uh, a federal law. And that can't happen, mm-hmm. right? What what just astounds me is that when you look around the country, I mean, what are the current statistics? 77, 80% of people believe that women should have the right to their own health care. And we don't? Like, what in the country has that kind of support, right? That is bananas. And you have to wonder if abortion care has this kind of broad support throughout the countries, how are these lawmakers and justices getting away with making this choice, right? You've said that this is the worst case scenario, but it's what you've prepared for and you're ready to fight. So how are you going to fight? Talk me through that so people can feel some sense of ownership over what they can do next instead of just be shocked and weep. Yeah, no, look, this is uh, as much um, about the words actually on the page of the Alito um, majority opinion, look at at Emily's list, we are the largest organization that is a resource for women in politics. And and Alito's opinion actually calls out the fact that women have electoral and political power. In essence, he's saying, if you don't like it, do something about it. And so I'm, I want to join him in that call. If we don't like it, and we know that, that the majority of Americans don't, we will do something about it in state legislatures, in uh, uh, roles as attorneys general and secretaries of state. 
uh, people who are run, Democratic pro-choice people who are running uh, to be governor in this country. Uh, you talked about the federal positions in the House and the Senate. This is a fight that is uh, particularly about abortion rights that has now been turned over to the states. And we've got to win back our states. Our states really do have, they must, our representatives must reflect the will of this country or we are not a democracy. And I think that Americans are going to pick up their clipboards and strap on their sneakers and go out and talk to their neighbors and turn them, turn each other out um, for this election cycle. Uh, Justice uh, uh, Thomas actually also made a, on a broader point uh, in, in he his sure writing. Did. He sure um, did. He mm. put everything on the table. He did so far beyond. Except loving, which I thought was interesting. He didn't mention I thought loving. that was very interesting. <laughs> and so there's, we can win abortion, we can restore abortion access and healthcare freedom to at the state level. And we have to, we can't look past what is possible and what we have to achieve to protect those other rights that Justice Thomas put clearly on the table at the federal level. He has already said to us that their intention is to undermine other laws that protect our individual freedoms, that speak to our heart and our home. We've got to send a Congress back to Washington, D.C. that are going to protect our rights more broadly. Now that we've gone through this experience with Roe versus Wade, look, my grandmother always told me when you know better, you do better. Uh, and when, in this situation, you know, we might have thought that the court would never overturn 50 years of precedent. They have now shown us that they are prepared to do that. And we better act. We better act really quickly and swiftly with swiftly and strongly to ensure that we send a Congress back to Washington that does not give this court the power to make decisions about our lives ever again. That's right, because it's not about being pro-life. Right. If it were if it were, it would be these same people would be anti death penalty, pro gun control, pro birth control, pro universal health care, pro childhood tax credits. Right. It it isn't about babies. It never has been. Right. It's about power and it's about control. And it's a slippery slope that Thomas has, like you said, just laid straight out for us. Right. Because it's going to go far beyond abortion rights. He's his concurrence explicitly states that they should be considering overturning the right to contraception, the right to gay marriage, the right to gay sex even, right? And who gives Mm -hmm. these people that power over us? And people do need to strap on their shoes and say, who gives you this right, right? How do you have this right over us? It's not pro-birth, it's pro-force birth. Yeah, that's exactly right. They they only have the authority that the that the people give them through our vote. That's right. Uh, and that to me, for everyone who is disappointed or dejected or thinks that their vote doesn't matter, it does. And this is a this is a a, rep, a huge representation of that. It matters um, who we vote for uh, in ways large and small. This is a very significant way in which our lives have now been changed by three people who lied in their uh, in their in their hearings, said that that uh, Roe was settled precedent. Fundamentally, flatly lied to the American people, and I think we've got to. Yes, they are lifetime appointments, but we can we can punish those who put them there. And we gave our vote to those folks uh, and made sure uh, that uh, our voice it can be represented and should be represented and make sure that this must, this doesn't happen ever again. 
Uh, and I, I just think we have to be clear about that message resounding in our will and unrelenting in our commitment uh, that this, uh, that America will not go backwards. Otherwise, again, we just are not the democracy we claim to be. We can no longer uh, be the leader of the free world uh, in, in terms uh, of our global positioning. And the rest of the world is moving forward. Uh, on women's rights. And we are sending our ambassadors around to, to talk about and, and, and support women activists all over the country in their economic pursuits and their entrepreneurial pursuits. But in our own country here in America, we don't even have the right to go into our doctor's office and make a decision about our own body and our own destiny. How hypocritical. Uh, I don't think the American people are prepared for this nation to go backwards in its global standing. And I think that we are ready uh, this November to, to make that message clear. Today is going to be an important uh, day of demonstration and the next few weeks are going to be important weeks of protest. That is an important, uh, a fundamental uh, part of, of our freedom of speech and right to assemble a, a great demonstration of the Constitution that they just tore apart. Absolutely. And I think that <laughs> and, and so I think that we've got a lot of work to do, but I but but we're prepared to do it. I believe in this country. I believe in the American people in this country. And I think that we will uh, send that message loud and clear. LaFonza, I believe in this country, too. And I really do believe in the American people. And we have to remember, we are the majority here. You know, the minority is so loud and they've given themselves so much power by being so efficient we have to understand that this is not something that happened overnight. This is a 40-year concentrated effort to stack the courts, to change the will of the people, to make the concept of pro-life be a deciding factor in elections. Um, but people need to consider the broader ramifications of this. If we say we have a government that can tell me I have to have a baby, then we have a government that can also tell me I can't have a baby, right? It's not like we don't have a history of forced sterilization in this country, right? If you're so pro-life that you want me to use my body as a human incubator, what stops you from forcing me to give up an organ to save someone's life, right? If the government can come in and say, we're going to use your womb now against your will, why can't they say, we're going to use your kidney now because you only need one? We're going to use your liver now because you can only use half of it. No one should have this kind of right to our body. And I think people need to think of it well beyond the concept of abortion into the concept of bodily autonomy and the right to our own body. Um, Paris Hatcher, she's the director, I'm sure you know her, the executive director of Black Feminist Future. She has this great quote that says, it's not just about what's legal, right? It's about what's moral and what's just. Yeah. And we need to ask ourselves, what control does the government have over us? Do we really believe that, like you said, Ted Cruz and Mitch McConnell and Ron DeSantis or Clarence Thomas and Brett Kavanaugh and Amy Coney Barrett really have the final say over what we do with our own bodies? And why does that apply only to women? That seems absolutely asinine. Um, and I think people really need to understand that once you start banning one law, it is an absolute open door policy to start banning other laws. And if we're going to start overturning things that have been here for 50 years, what is next? Well, we didn't even have to, we don't have to imagine very far. I think this is a court that really put a lot on the table for us to appreciate that is at stake now that this decision on Roe has been made. And I can't think of anything more, more appropriate than, than examining what is moral and what is just, because that those are the fund that those are the essence of freedom. 
And so are we a nation that it, whose people are free or are we not? Uh, really is a very simple question. And it can't be only the people who, you know, look like uh, Clarence Thomas or only the people who look like Brett Kavanaugh. It can't be just the, the men in this country are, are free. We all must be free in, in order for this uh, incredible experiment to, to continue forward. And, you know, it's, it is, you're so right that it is so much more about your personal feelings on abortion, whatever those feelings are. The fundamental question is who should decide? Yeah. Who should decide what you should have, what you have the right to do with your own body? Should it be the government? Or should you have a say in what you want to do with your body? And there's, you mean, you've made the point so importantly here that there's so much more at stake. And if they can say no about this, what else are, are they prepared to take away? What else do we have to guard against? And I think we've got to be very, again, resounding in, in our message back. It is not just about what we say on a microphone, or in, though thank you for allowing me to be on your podcast. It really is about what it is that we do at the ballot box. Uh, and how do we move from rhetoric to action? And again, I appreciate that, that the American people have been through a lot these past few years, a global pandemic. Uh, gas prices at historic highs, inflation uh, at historic highs. I understand yeah. uh, very much. We're exhausted, uh, right? We're all exhausted. The, right, we're exhausted. I spent 20 years in the labor movement. I, I know and I have heard both the fears as well as the dreams of so many working families uh, across this country. And this is the time for us to not just push back against those things of which we are afraid, but it is the time to fight for the things that we hope can be possible and attain, not just for us, for our neighbors, for our children, for our children's children and generations to come. To me, that is the hope in this moment. America has them and the American people have fought for the future of this country time after time. And I, the, my hope and, and my hopefulness rest there. We have done it before uh, and put this country on a track where everyone can see themselves and having a destiny that, that they can design. And I, I believe that this is, this is really possible uh, in this moment. And this court has woken us all up and made us uh, to appreciate that we can't be distracted by our despair, mm. um, but that we have to be focused on our future. Absolutely. Okay, obviously I'm fired up and I don't want you to stop, but our sponsors make this conversation possible. So let's just take a quick break and we'll be right back after this with LaVonza Butler. Today's episode is brought to you by Blinkist. If you haven't heard me talk about it before, Blinkist is a book summarizing service that offers the best selection of nonfiction books and key takeaways in about 15 minutes. The Blinks come in text and audio explainers, and there's even a place to take notes. It's a quick and effective way to understand big picture ideas. You can conceptualize a book in under 15 minutes. You can use it as inspiration for growth, both personally or professionally, or to discover more about the world around you. And if someone's bugging you about a book you haven't read or you don't have time to read, welcome to Blinkist. For obvious reasons, the book I'm using this week is Abortion and the Law in America by Mary Ziegler. In 28 minutes, you can look at the comprehensive legal history of abortion rights in the U.S. and the cultural shift that contributed to the abortion debate. 
Right now, Blinkist has a special offer just for our audience. Go to Blinkist.com slash politicsgirl to start your seven-day free trial and get 25% off a Blinkist premium membership. That's Blinkist, spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T. Blinkist.com slash politicsgirl to get 25% off and a seven-day free trial. It's nice to be smart, but it's particularly nice to be smarter, faster. Hey guys, it's me. So people contact me all the time via email or social media to ask specific questions, but I rarely have the chance to answer them all. So I'm going to do an upcoming episode called Ask PG. If you have any questions about politics, America, messaging, even about me personally, shoot me an email or record a question via audio or video and send it to ask at politicsgirl.com. I'll try to get to as many questions as I can. The podcast is only possible because you guys care enough to listen, and I want to speak directly to the community to make sure I'm addressing all the things you're actually curious about. Again, send your questions to ask at politicsgirl.com. Now, back to the show. I'm so glad you're running Emily's List right now because I've been such a big supporter of Emily's List for a long time. But when you actually sit down and read Emily's List's vision and mission statement, it's actually quite striking because it's not just about promoting pro-choice Democratic women to office. You, you have this idea of converting change wishers to change drivers, provoking people to action. And I love that you say you don't want people just to participate in the system. You want them to lead. You want women taking leading roles. And now more than ever, we need that. And I, I love that your organization is doing that. And I love that you're the one heading it up right now because you know what it's like to work and put in the time and put in the effort. And listen, I don't buy this concept that Democrats are just doomed because traditionally the party in power loses the seats. This isn't a normal election, right? I mean, look what's on the ballot, right? The end of democracy, a woman's right to her own person, gay rights, trans rights, gun protection, social securities on the ballot now, Medicare, a government that upholds the rule of law or a government that's willing to abandon it for its own power. Like this is not the traditional midterm elections go to, it's just not. And I think it's foolish for people to say it. We are either moving forward or we are moving backwards. And there's no issue bigger than which direction we want to go. There's no policy grander than the idea of autocratic minority rule or a nation that's a democracy that listens to all its people. So we can't afford to lose. Failure's not an option. So what do you what do you think we should do next? What would you like us out there doing? Look, I I think this is a this is a great question. I'm so grateful that you that you asked it um, because we again can can feel like there's nothing that we can do in face of a Supreme Court that has lifetime appointments. There is a lot that we can do if what we care about is the future of this country. Again, what we can do. Uh, is get ourselves ready to make a plan to vote. Voting laws have changed all across this country. Uh, this court has upheld the gutting of the Voting Rights Act and made it more difficult for more people uh, to have a- access to the ballot and, and engage in free and fair elections. And so we've got to get started early making a plan to vote vote in our primary elections, vote in the general election in November. Don't just rely on whoever is at the top of the ticket. Complete the ballot all the way down. Make sure that you are voting for every position that is available because all of those positions impact your life and you can change 
the face of American politics. So make a plan to vote. Secondly, what people can do is that they, if they have uh, resources that they want to contribute, they can go online and find organizations to, to contribute those resources, whether it's supporting care or directed towards organizations like Emily's List who focus on building power uh, in, and building power for Democratic pro-choice women in elected office. They can do that as well, but utilize your time, resource, and talent to fight for the future of our country. The last thing that, that I will know is be empathetic to each other. Show, let's show each other some compassion. This is a, not a moment for swift judgment um, about one another's personal views uh, one way or the other. This is the moment for America to rise up and be her best. Mm. That requires us to listen to each other, even if our views are different. What is fundamental in this moment is who should have the freedom to decide what to do about their own bodies. Who should decide? Should the government decide uh, or should those uh, individuals decide? And we have to be compassionate with uh, our neighbors and those who might think differently than us, um, but engage them in a conversation that helps them to not only protect your freedom, but to protect their own. This is not about religion. Uh, this is not about, as you said, babies. Uh, this is about who do we want to be as a nation? Yeah. What is the future that we want for our children and our grandchildren? So, I, you know, it is let us go through our emotion today. Let's, you know, as uh, the founder of Emily's List said, she sent me a text. Ellen Malcolm sent me a text today and she said, uh, we cry first and then we fight. And so like, let's experience all of our emotions, but let's fight like hell for the future that we deserve. And let's do it with some compassion and in a way that brings this country together because we are losing our ability to govern as a nation because we are so divided. The freedoms uh, that undergird our democracy are at risk. We all want the best for this country and we should be making sure that we pursue it. And we, it's very clear. It's very clear the party who has stood uh, in, a, in opposition uh, to the will of, of the American people in this moment. And we have to send a message that those behaviors by that party is not going to be tolerated. And I think when people hear voting, voting, do your voting, they think, I already voted. Why is it still like this? You know, And I think what we have to think of or what we have to get our heads around is it's not just about voting. It's about gaining power expanding power, yeah. holding power. And we have to think of that the vote is part of that expansion. It is part of that solidification of power. You, I personally feel numb right now, but I know that that numbness will turn to outrage. And I, I don't think that these people have realized the fury that they have unleashed. Do you know what I mean? Like hell hath no fury yeah. really. And I heard you speak back in March and you said, the world is about to change and become traumatic for young women. And we need to pull them through, but not with empathy, but with righteous indignation. And I yep. couldn't have agreed more. I heard you say that and I thought, yes, that is exactly how I feel. This is not a time to be sad. This is a time to be indignant because how dare they? How dare they indeed. I think you captured that so well. And, you know, look, if we lose our will to fight. We have given up on the best that this country can be. America has only gotten better because there are so many of us 
who care enough about it to be indignant, who know that it can be so much more because we have done the work on the front lines to fight for the best uh, that it can be. And so, you know, I I gave those remarks uh, in March with the future of Roe this very day uh, on my mind. And and I think that this is that is exactly, I think, what we have been sharing here, Uh, the righteous indignation that is that is required to bring this country forward, to bring women and young girls forward, to ensure, uh, honestly, that we are creating a democracy that is truly representative, not just in a gendered basis from the perspective of electing more democratic pro-choice men, um, but that it is a country and its representatives actually do the work and will of the people. We talked about poll after poll, poll after poll since the road decision was initially made in 1973. The American people have stood in support uh, of women making this choice. And so here we are on a day that nine justices have decided that we no longer have that freedom uh, and we've got to go win it back. Uh, And we've got to be righteous in our indignation, nonviolent in our demonstration, but committed nonetheless to restoring what is rightfully ours. And the nonviolent part is very important because I don't think we're t- typically a violent party, um, but you have to see that people like Ted Cruz are already out there saying, you're going to see the left lose their minds. They're going to have organized riots. They're going to have violence. You're going to see violence used as a tool of political terrorism, which, yeah, I'm using a bit of a sarcastic voice because that's some nice projection from an insurrectionist supporter, right? But I think we're smarter than that. We didn't show up on 1-6 because we knew we'd be blamed for the violence, right? The same way we know being violent now is not the way to get what we want. We need to be smart about this. I was at the Women's March in 2017. There were 750,000 of us in LA and not a single arrest, right? We picked up our own garbage. We were like, oh, this one's full. I'll just carry this in my bag, right? We thank the police for being there. We Angry women doesn't mean violent women. And that's yeah. what Ted needs to understand. He's trying to write a narrative, as the Republicans have been doing for the election and now for this, that and what they did to the BLM protesters, right? That if if we can say these people are violent, if we can point our fingers at them, if we have one burning trash can, we're back to a woke mob violence burning down Portland, right? And that is just not true. And what we have to do is show them we can be indignant, we can be outraged, we can say this is intolerable and this is not the country we live in, but we can do it from a place of uh, control because we're smart enough to do that and we're smart enough to find our way back through this. And that starts with the states and with legislatures and with voting to expand our power. That's, uh, you know, you have said it perfectly. There is the, you know, I think the former first lady would say when when they go low, we go high. And I heard I heard Simone Sanders uh, say just a bit ago, she, she said, you know, we should we should modify former first lady's um, remarks to say when they go low, we go toe to toe. Um, and I could not agree oh. with Simone. Oh, no, I that's great. I with Simone uh, more. It is not a time for us to back down. 
This is a time for us to take the fight to them, to expand the power of the will of the American people, uh, to send, be, to hold those accountable who vote in opposition to what stands and representation of our values, uh, and do that with the poise and grace uh, that we all hold so dear and and carry with us every single day. There's no we know there's no need to be nasty uh, when we know that we are right. Uh, and, <laughs> and, <laughs> and that we are standing on the side of, of right. Look, it is, it is likely to be messy. There is no need for it to be violent. We did not, as you noted, we did not get here overnight. We're not going to uh, get to a different place overnight. This is going to be a long, protracted state by state uh, fight to, to restore reproductive rights uh, and hold those who stand in opposition to our will accountable. And uh, I think there is no better fight for us to be in in this moment uh, and showing the likes of Fox News and Ted Cruz and Ron DeSantis uh, that we are not insurrectionists, that we actually love our country and are not standing to overturn the will of the American people, but to actually stand with them. I think that's the, that's the best thing we could be doing in this moment. There is a different way and we can do this uh, and, and push back against those who, who would suggest that, that we are so you know, unorganized and we're so radical and we're so extreme. Well, who's being extreme? Who, who wants to take away the I would right say to the all- Supreme Court is being extreme. Exactly. <laughs> and those who put them there. Yes, and so. And those who put them there. That's right. So. I think we need to demand to be protected. We need to demand to be heard. And we need mm. to demand to be seen. And we need to say, we will not go back. We will not go. You know, you try and put me in that time machine. Yeah. Boy, I'm going to bite you and scratch and claw. But, <laughs> and it, you know, if you try and take me back, I can promise you, you're not going to have a good time. I, I I talk about my, my daughter and her friends as like kittens in a box. Like when they are, you know, when they are having a great time and everybody agrees, they're like touching each other's noses and having a great time. But when there is, you know, something that is not quite right, the claws come out. And I think this is a time where the, the, we have to make sure that it is crystal clear. Uh, that the will of the American people is with women and their bodily autonomy and that we will accept nothing less. Yeah. Otherwise they'll declaw us, which is what they want to do. <laughs> which is not going to happen. Not going to happen, happen. I want to thank you for joining me today. I highly encourage people to go to Emily's List website to support your movement, to contribute to your work, to go out and talk to their people at every level to push back against this monstrosity that is been put on our laps because I'm not being hyperbolic when I say the entire future of the country depends on what we do right now. So thank you so much for joining me today on such a big, important day. I'm sure you have a thousand places to be, but thank you for taking the time to be with us. So grateful to be here. Can't wait to to get back and talk about the all of the success that we will have accomplished. Absolutely. Uh, when we restore democracy in this country. Please. Uh, and I'm excited about being able to talk about it with you. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you, LaFonza. So that was LaFonza Butler, president of Emily's List, reminding us that now is the time we fight, not with violence, but with indignation and passion and tenacity. We need to ask ourselves, who gets to decide? Who is in charge of our bodies? Who is in charge of our most basic human rights? And then we need to make our answer loud and clear. We have to strap on our shoes and put in the work. And then we have to show up in November and say, hell no. 
This is not who we are. This is not where we're going. We will not return to your little barefoot and pregnant under his eye woman in the kitchen father knows best world. We live here. We make our own decisions. We know that taking our rights away is only the first step to taking others' rights away, and that is not okay with us. I want to thank LaFonza Butler for joining us today and you for caring enough about democracy to be here. Now go out and raise some hell. Until next week, PG out. The Politics Girl podcast is written and performed by me, Lee McGowan, in partnership with the Midas Media Network and produced and edited by Happy Warrior Entertainment. All rights reserved.